Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. It's your boys, MLW. You know me. I'm your host, George McKay, M-I-P-I-C. It's Uncle Bobby B, and it's like 9 o'clock in the fucking morning. On a Saturday. We're recording a few days late. I had a couple challenges this week at my shoot job. So, uh, and it's, it actually worked out because the, the the actual release of this week's episode was a little bit delayed. So it was it was still great. It was a great episode. I mean, some some good points, some bad points. We'll get into those as we go on. But I mean, this is the second last episode of this short little mini series run, if you will. Uh, Alpha Fusion Alpha. Uh, the season finale is next week, and then we'll take in a couple three week hiatus as we get into the Aztec Underground stuff as they move over to Mexico. So it's going to be very very cool to see what they do over there. We've already seen some clips from our good friend Alex Kane of what he's doing over there, and the crowd seems to love him. Alex Kane is very over in Mexico, and we're glad to hear that. So uh, you want to get into this week's uh, episode? Yeah, let's get into this week's. Episode. Well, I always love when the episode starts with my uh, my favorite boy CD. And I love that I can call him CD now because it makes things so much easier instead of trying to trying to say names properly. When, he, when says, he, he says, welcome to the Renegades. Welcome to the Renegades. Oh, and shout out to Steven's Wrestling Journey for my very kick-ass birthday gift right here, my Straight Talk Wrestling mug. You'll see this more often as we go and we do our podcast. So shout out to Steven's Wrestling Journey for the awesome gift. Thank you, little buddy. I appreciate you. Love you and the family. So yeah, CD in the ring. And he's asking the Renegades, are we ready? Are we ready for Super Lucha? And who will go home with this case full of, I thought he was going to say money, but then he said American cash, which, okay, you could have just said money, but American cash is well, fine. Well, if you said money, it could have been pesos in there. It could have been yen. It could, could have been, been rupees. could have been rupees. Yeah, that's true. Okay, fair enough. So he says American cash. And then we get uh, one of our first uh, opponents of the night, Eris. Eris, but he's not alone. He's with Holodead and Dr. Dax, who will forever now be known as the Gimp. That's right. I'm sorry. Every time I see him, I think of Pulp Fiction. Bring out the gimp. Yeah, bring out the gimp. So I really wish Holodead, though, when she does come out with him on the leash, I wish she would sit him in the corner and just kind of tap on his head like they did in the movie. But I understand the reasons why they don't do that. But still, Dr. Dax, a.k.a. the gimp, they're out there in Ares' corner, and he is facing enemies. Now, we've seen both of these guys tangle uh, so many times on MLW, and they've always had fire matches. Um, And it's always a little different. Even though we know their movesets, they always surprised me with something fresh and new, but this time they surprised me with how slow paced the start of this match was. Yeah. Usually when the bell rings, these guys go 100. There isn't like a, a 30, then a 40, then a 50, then we get up there. It was there. a slow, there was a bit of a slow build. And like, I don't want to say timing issues. Like, it seemed like maybe timing was just like, and I'm probably nitpicking because these guys are normally so fast paced and precise that mm-hmm. I, I hold them to a higher standard. But it seemed like timing was a little off in the first few minutes. Mm-hmm. And then they kind of found their feet. And uh, then it was, you know, that fast paced, precise lucha wrestling that we we've come, come to, to expect from both these guys. Well, and also the creativity, like one of my favorite spots was that um, handstand on the shoulders into the uh, tilt world counter into the arm drag that was wild that was a crazy impressive combo and to have the agility to do that i mean again that's how creative these two guys are um and like i said it was a little bit slower pace uh the razor's edge on the ramp from aramis was flawless a lot of razor's edges tonight we'll get into that oh like a lot that, of razor's edges. i winced like like we know pro wrestling is what it is but like when you see something happen and you're like oh shit like that really must hurt that's that was the reaction for me i rewound it i was like did i see that right did he just like yeet him onto the fucking ramp and that is exactly what happened so well your back's okay bud (laughs) well and also what was cool is that that was the point i think where the crowd kind of woke up a little bit because like i said in the first five six minutes of this match very slow pace but after that razor's edge the crowd seemed to take a turn and then they started chanting this is awesome with that spin off the back 
that Aries did uh, to Armas, and then he landed the GTS, go to sleep on the floor, hitting cold concrete. That was very impressive, but you're not going to win a match outside the ring. You got to get these guys back in. Um, they always think outside the box. Uh, Aramis also hit the three seconds around the world, but Aries kicked out. When usually when Aramis hits the three seconds around the world, it is literally over. Uh, he's beaten Aries with that move before, but this time he kicked out. And then we had our first interference, Hollywood, uh, Holodead, sorry, Holodead gets involved, but quickly, you know, she's squashed. And then the Gimp gets involved. And at this point, Aries took advantage and, uh, you know, he gets the win. He plants plants Aramis firmly on the mat for the win, the one, two, three, and he walks away with the cash, uh, the briefcase of American cash. Uh, so those three uh, individuals are going to stock up on some stuff as we find out later on the show. Holodead's going to get some new knives. The Gimp needs a new leash. And apparently, uh, uh, Aries, or, um, yeah, Aries needs uh, more eye gloves, at least four to five, one for each day of the week, apparently, because he only has, I guess, one or two. Eye gloves are clutch. So we'll find out about that a little bit later on the show, but I guess I jumped ahead there. Um, and then um, uh, what can I say about this match? Like I said, it was entertaining but not what I'm used to seeing for these guys. And usually when these two kick off the show, you know the rest of the night's going to be a banger. But I felt there was a lot of peak and valleys in this week's episode. For the second last of this like little mini-series run that they're doing, I didn't think it was the best. We Every episode has been really, really great, this 13-episode this run. This one, however, being the second last one, I again, a lot of peaks and valleys. But you know, comment below, let us know your thoughts and opinions because we're interested. Um, and then we find out that there is going to be... Uh, oh, also... After winning the briefcase, Aries is uh, firmly kind of perched up in the middleweight division, probably very close to getting a title shot against Tajiri. If Tajiri hangs on, which we know is a match next week, which you already know the match was pre-taped in Japan. We'll get into that a little bit later about Tajiri and his opponent and defending the middleweight champion over middleweight championship, sorry, overseas. Now we also get into Alicia. We know there's going to be an expose uh, from Alicia Altu a little bit later. Titled, Where in the World is Contra? Not Carmen San Diego, Contra. Where is everybody? We need to know what's happening. But before we get that, uh, we get the recap of Holodead and Willow from last week. And then Alicia is with Willow for an interview. It's random here. Don't you think Alicia would be a good Carmen San Diego? So I don't, I do think she would be. Yo, so if, somebody needs to reboot that and make Alicia to Carmen San Diego. Yeah. That it, is a money idea right Fedora there. Fedora and the red trench coat. And just Alicia's, Alicia's like, you know, fiery eyes. She's got and the shit. charisma yeah, and, and the sass to, to pull that off. You, you know? know, that's a good idea. I know. Court Bauer. Just thought of that right off Well, you know what? She could be like Carmen San Diego, but like a reporter that goes in and out of the shadows, breaks the news, and then disappears. And maybe CDs just station are all over the world. Where in the world is Alicia? Out Alicia, get yourself a trench coat. And a fedora. And a fedora. I, I think it's, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. We digress. We digress. <laughs> So uh, Alicia, so what happens when we record too early uh, in the Alicia morning? Alicia interviews folks. Willow Nightingale. Willow Nightingale says, you know, hey, I've been trying to elevate this featherweight division. I've been trying to, you know, big it up, build everybody up. But Holiday just keeps picking fights with me. And, you know, like, I don't appreciate that. So if you want to pick a fight with me, then you're going to see the dark side of a Willow Nightingale. She does have night in her name. Yeah, I don't think there's a dark side, though. Willow Nightingale's always kind of smiles. Yeah, don't get me wrong. The intensity factor is there for Willow Nightingale. I just don't think there's a full-out dark side. But maybe you do, when you are facing Holodead, you really do have to hit those places that you normally would not go to. You've got to, you gotta, you gotta hit those, those spots or, or take those risks in a match that you normally wouldn't if you're going to put away an opponent like Holodead. Holodead is a veteran. So is Willow. There's no, no cloud on either side. Both veterans have been in this game for a very long time. And, I mean, if you're going to elevate your featherweight division, it's not shocking to put two of the biggest names in your division on a crash course against each other. 
sure. That's that's just the way I would picture it. So the way they're the way they're building up the featherweight division, I do like it. And um, then we get another uh, classic Emilio Sparks interview in the trenches. Myra Reed just sitting in the back, vibing out to music, I guess, getting in the zone. And Emilio uh, walks over to him and he says, uh, "Hey, man, you know, I want to know uh, what's going on with you. I want to know what's what's happening, man. I'm getting a lot of tweets about you. People want to know where your head is at these last couple of weeks." And then this is the whole promo, word for word. Myron says, what's my name? <laughs> Emilio Reed says, yo, it's Myron Reed. And he says, no, no, what's my name? Emilio says, young goat. And Myron says, one more time, I'm going to ask you, and I'm being polite about this. What is my name? And then Emilio yells, top of his lungs, Myron Reed, super intense. And the lights go up. Lights go out. Emilio was gone, disappeared now. I guess when you're in the trenches and it gets dark, you run away scared, apparently. Uh, he disappears completely. And is CD's better half, better looking half, if you will, the lady that he's kind of got this developed partnership as they head to Mexico. She walks over very dark, very demonic with these tarot cards. And she's basically stating that he is no longer with his title. He is no longer with his way. And he has a long way to fall. But when he falls, she will be there. Yeah, it was weird. And then she walks away. Reed looks confused. I was confused. I this was, was this, I'm still confused. This was a very subpar uh, vignette, subpar sequence, if you will. Not understand where they're going with this. Are they trying to recruit Myron Reed to join Aztec Underground? Because, I mean, when you're the young goat, you're a member of Injustice, you kind of fight against established, you know, factions. Uh, you go against the grain, if you will. You have your own faction, but you go against the grain. And to try this recruitment method to get inside Myron Reed's head, I'm not sure where the storyline is going. Maybe we'll find out next week's season finale, or we'll find out in the new year when they go to Mexico. But what are your thoughts on that? Like, where, where, if you're Core Bauer, if you're the writing team at MLW, where are you going with this? I mean, if I'm being honest, I love Myron Reed and I hate being critical, but I felt like this, I, man, I hate seeing this. I felt like he kind of phoned this one in. I felt like Myron just wasn't invested in that promo. Like just the way he was saying, what's my name? And I'm being nice about this. Like it just, I didn't feel that intensity and conviction that I usually feel from a Myron Reed promo. So maybe Myron's as confused about this as we are. Who knows? Well, you but feel that conviction with Myron Reed when he's got something to fight for. Like when he was going when he was going at Leo Rush for the title and those promos leading up to Rush versus Reed 2, we knew we were getting lightning in a bottle. We knew we were getting something. We knew we were getting arguably what turned out to be one of the best matches in MLW history. But maybe maybe Myron has to feel it in here before it could come out here. Do you see what I'm saying? Maybe he's got to be passionate about what he's talking about. But at the end of the day, the whole what's my name, what's my name promo, it, it, it's not typically what we're... It's Myron Reed before he cut his teeth in his promos. It's Myron Reed before the promos got better. This is Myron Reed of old. And I don't want that Myron Reed. I want the Myron Reed I saw when it was him versus Leo Rush. Yeah. Both I, times. The whole what's my name, what's my name, I personally just wasn't feeling it. But, you know, I'll have faith in court and the product and that they're going to take this in a direction that's going to redeem itself. Well, we've, we've, we've talked about a lot of times where we're confused with where the mad genius is going. And then he throws us that straight left and... We get surprised out of nowhere and we're entertained. And that's what wrestling is all about. We're entertained. We're not just marks uh, spitting facts for people who are better at being internet trolls. You know exactly who you are. I'm not even going to mention your name. Um, so now we go on. 
<laughs> That's right. Now we go on. Emilio again. He's doing another interview in the trenches. I think we should just do another. We should just mention trenches interview going forward because that's apparently what he sold CD on. He does he, these in the trenches war zone. He's interviews. the uh, he's a war. The wars. He's like the World War One veteran of interviews. Yeah, in the trenches. He's just he always tries to get the scoop, especially when people don't want to be scooped. So Hammer's walking out, walking around the back, trying to get focus. He runs right up to Hammer. And says Hammer, how's the ankle? And before we know it, boom. He's attacked by Durant, not Caesar Durant, Caesar Durant's brother. That's right. They start fighting all over the arena. And then the camera cuts out, goes back to the arena. The announcers are confused. Are we back up? Are we back up? And then the camera cuts into a 51-50 promo. And I always love quoting each line from each of these guys because these promos are just hilariously entertaining and spot on. Conan, he's easy, like a Sunday morning. <laughs> Great song. <laughs> and here comes the storm. Julius Smoke. I'll take Jesus from his own cross to win this championship. Slice boogie. Stakes are high. Ain't no different than robbing a bank. And uh, I ain't going to jail. I ain't going home a loser. Danny, it's do or die. All you Silver Spoon wrestlers say we jumped the line. Damn right we jumped the line. And I'm going to send you back to Mexico to walk the streets like the whores you are. Let that soak in for a minute. We'll give you 10 seconds. Yes. I the mean, Los Parks are going back to Mexico to walk the streets like the whores they are. And he emphasized horse. Okay. All I needed, all I needed in that promo to be a hundred percent all in would have been like a Viva la Raza. You know what I mean? Like something like straight gangster street like that. I mean, what I what what I love about 5150 is like, you know, you grow up a certain way, you pick up certain speech certain lingo certain attitude you're a product of your environment and your upbringing and you know you as a youth you're probably a lot different as a youth you gotta as say a youth. Youth. As a youth as a youth you're probably a lot different than you are as an adult and, and and even i'm sure you and me like when we're at work we don't speak the same as we do when we're hanging out with the boys are you are you are you sick i speak like this yes well, no problem absolutely sir yeah. we will get that to you right away flabbergasting uh, yeah i'm just i'm i'm heartbroken but, and ashamed so for guys like slice day limelight and stuff like that what I love about 5150 is they don't have to tone that shit down whatsoever. That is, you can tell they're just being real and being themselves because everything comes out so naturally and so convincing that like, it's not an act. They're not pretending to be like some straight G's from the street. They fucking are like these guys who grew up, went through some shit, shaped them into who they are. And now they just get to live that gimmick of being natural badasses. So their, their, their stuff always comes off good. And like Julius smokes such a hype man. He doesn't even say that much. But just his presence is fucking hilarious. The stuff, the dancing is that, like, it's great. It's great. Absolutely. Absolutely. Julius Smokes is definitely, for me, one of my favorite members of 5150. Don't get me wrong. We are over on Slice. We're over on Danny. I've spoken to both those guys. They're great. And Conan, I mean, he's easy like a Sunday morning. Yeah. Absolutely great. Um, and the only other thing I could say is that a lot of people might think that these guys were just thrown together. These guys have a history. Uh, Danny Limelight and Slice Boogie are both members of the Bodega. If you don't know what the bodega is, please Google it, research it. And I'm not talking about the corner, your neighborhood corner store. That's what bodega stands for. These guys are above through and through. Like they've, they've traveled the Indies together. They've worked the Indies together. That's why these two mesh so well. And with the additions of smoke, homicide occasionally reappearing here and there, and Conan leading the way, that's why 5150 jumped the line because they are the hottest things right now in the tag team division in MLW. And uh, speaking of MLW, another segment is back. MLW Embedded is back. 
And this is the expose we have been waiting for. Where in the world is Contra? The expose starts with a little history of Contra, how they pretty much took over MLW, how they pretty much strong-armed MLW for a very long time. Then the revolution was started by Hammer. He took the title back. He took MLW back. And now the question is, where is everyone? After the culmination of the fallout at War Chamber from between Fatu and Kruger, where is all the members of Contra? Well, I can tell you this, is that um, Alicia pinned it all on CD with the whispers of the dissent in ears. Uh, that's what started the fallout, the crumble, the cracks in the foundation, if you will, of the pillars of Contra. And I completely agree with her. He put ideas in Fatu's head. He put ideas in Kruger's head that he was the rightful leader of Contra. So Caesar Durant was playing mind games with every member of Contra for obvious reasons. You can't be a bigger faction than Caesar Durant. You can't have more power than Caesar Durant. And Contra for a very long time in MLW, they did. They had way more power. I mean, even Joseph Samuel with that gatekeeper clause, that's something that even Caesar Durant could not undo. So, so that's, it's not surprising that Alicia would go that way. And I agree with her. I completely agree with her thought process on that. Caesar Durant had a lot to do with the reason why Contra is not around. And if you want to know where everybody is, well, Kruger has been in the fight clubs of South Africa and he's sworn vengeance on Fatu. Uh, Kwan has renounced Contra and he has been spotted in Japan with the middleweight champion Tajiri. Uh, and Fatu is AWOL. He has not been seen since the War Chamber fallout. When he walked to the back, he disappeared. And Joseph Samaya, well, he vanished before War Chamber. And the timing of his disappearance, according to Alicia, was 100% intentional. So knowing that this now has been put out to the masses, to the MLW renegades, as CD would love to call us, um, the question remains is that will we see Contra on the season finale? Will we get to figure out what is happening? Will there be a build, a straight build to Kruger versus Fat 2, which we know is going to happen? Will we also get a promo from Joseph Samael? Because she is right. We have not seen Joseph Samael since October. We need some contra closure. We need, we just need closure. It's like a breakup. If it's happening, it's fine. Every faction breaks up. That's okay. Yeah. I just, just, just close the chapter. Let us know so we can, we can go sleep with other people. Like we need to know. <laughs> like we need some closure here. <laughs> sleep with other people hey, it's nine o'clock in the wall it's like 9 30 perfect now, but and saying, yeah. now we cut to the back and that's right hammer and cd's brother still going at it um it's finally broken up by the amazing security team like i said these guys are the young sung heroes of this season last season it was the cameraman but this season is security team these guys get paid probably 20 22 bucks an hour at the utmost and there's no benefits there's no medical there's no dental and they really put their lives on the line so kudos to the security team can of mlw I, can i just say something too? absolutely uh, with this hammer fighting across the whole building with Caesar's brother, uh, a lot of times... It didn't times, look like the whole building. It really looked like the same corridor, yeah. just one way or the other. But like, a lot of times when you see somebody doing that, you see wrestlers doing that, they're throwing punches. I, I'm going to say it. Even at the top level, some of those punches look like ass. I understand a working punch is a working punch, but some of those punches look like ass. In this case... Watch how Hammer throws those punches. Every one of them looked like they fucking hurt. None of them looked like uh, he was going like this. Like, like it wasn't forearm shots yeah, or elbow it was, shots. It was, was close fists. It was like close fists. It was arms across the back. It was convincing. Like that made me believe that they were actually fighting and not just throwing their arm like this a bunch of times to make it look like they're hitting hard and fast. So Hammer's working punches, top class. Mm-hmm. Yeah, top class. And again, like I said, the amazing security team, top class. Who else you guys? And now um, the part of the show where uh, 
I'm going to have a lot to say. A lot of negativity that I have to say. We have Matt Cross versus the debuting, returning to the ring for the first time in a while, Enzo Amore, or as he's known now, just Enzo. Okay, he's still a certified G. He's still all that. But, um, you know, the match was okay for me. Uh, Cross did a great job as a true professional, as a true veteran, to put Enzo over large. In my opinion, Enzo had some spots, you know, nothing crazy. Uh, the distraction at the end to steal the win. I get it. I totally get it. Uh, I don't agree with Cross having to take the loss. I think there was other avenues way to approach it. They could have gone to the 20-minute time draw, considering the match itself went about 11 minutes. They could have done nine minutes more. Maybe there wasn't enough steam in the tank. I'm not really sure, but they could have done more. Uh, I don't feel that Matt Cross should have got the, 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 the cheap pin. And I understand you want to establish Enzo as a heel. I get all that. Uh, what I don't understand, though, is after you have possibly a budding rivalry between Matt Cross, which you've done nothing with, really, since he appeared in MLW, he had an opera cup match, this and that, but nothing fancy or anything for a veteran like yeah, Matt he Cross. He hasn't had an, uh, an angle. He hasn't had an angle. So why not start the beef with Enzo? Why not do a, a best of three or a series of seven to culminate in Mexico? Uh, there's options. I don't think right after Matt Cross taking the loss, he just saunters off to the back like he's kind of a jobber. And then you bring out Casey Navarro to do commentary and do a sit-down interview. Enzo and Casey get involved, punched through a throw, and Casey gets launched into a ring turnbuckle very, very harshly. And I get it. You want to establish Enzo as a heel, uh, but then you want to make Navarro a face when you technically made Navarro a heel when he kind of got up in Warhorse's business only a few weeks ago. So I'm not sure the writing on this one. I, I understand like the, the points that needed to be hit were hit, but I'm not understanding where they're going. Turning Navarro heel for two weeks and then now back to face establishing Enzo as a heel. We get it. Enzo was a heel already. I mean, yes, 100%. Enzo Mori is an asshole. And he established himself like that in MLW. And I don't mean he's an asshole personally. Like I know him. I've never met the guy. I'm just saying the character that he portrays is an asshole. I want to put that out there now because I don't need any trolls saying, oh, this guy called Enzo Mori an asshole. This fat white guy from Canada. No, that's not, not what I said at all, fuckers. Okay, so pay attention. What I said was, is I understand you want to establish him as a heel, as a true heel, as an asshole. There's ways to do it. And I think I would have enjoyed, me personally, I would have enjoyed seeing where him and Matt Cross could have gone for one or two more matches and then maybe started up the rivalry with Casey Navarro. I don't, I don't, I don't agree with anything that was done in the sequence for the 15 minutes that Enzo was on camera. I was not impressed. Like I said, the match was okay. Uh, Matt Cross definitely helped big time. I mean, if you're going to establish Enzo something, to put him in with Matt Cross was the right move. I just don't, I don't agree with anything. And that's my rant. Now the floor is yours. Okay. Uh, I'm not, I'm not really an Enzo guy. However, I also believe in redemption and second chances and people can change and all that stuff. So I've been, been trying to be positive about the whole, whole thing. Um, he came out, I looked at him. I immediately got irritated. That just means he was doing his job as a heel. Uh, like you said, they, I think that this was to firmly establish him as a lie, cheat, steal type of heel with the way he won the match with the attack on Casey Navarro. Uh, a couple points. I thought probably a little bit of ring rest. I know he's been putting in the gym time, but a couple spots looked a little rusty. I'm sure he'll get his feet back as he, as he wrestles more. Um, I did think again, I'm a fan. I'm not the guy in there taking bumps and I'm not the guy giving them, but I thought that, Casey Navarro really got rocked into the fucking post. Like that looked pretty harsh. So I, you know, I hope that it looked harsh, but it didn't hurt at all. And that means everybody did things well. 
Uh, sorry um, to interrupt there real quick. We did learn later on the episode that Casey Navarro was taken to hospital uh, to get checked out for obvious reasons, probably concussion protocol. I'm not sure if that's, you know, kayfabe or if that's legitimate. I'm pretty sure it's probably legitimate. So I don't know what's going to happen with Casey Navarro right now. But yeah, he definitely got hit back of the head. The whole back of the head went. He did not really His protect himself too well against the turnover. back and and head just he Enzo launched him and like that not throwing shade at Enzo like maybe no, that no. Was, maybe no, no. in the back said bro fucking toss me and, and don't thing. forget we got to make sure the trolls understand we're not throwing shade at Enzo yeah. so just calm the fuck we're down. not workers we're, yeah. we're fans and we observe and, yeah and, and, and we're, we're we, not I, we know that we're not stating opinions we're not saying that we've been in the ring this well, no, we we're stating opinions no us. we I mean we're not saying that if I was out there this is how I yeah, would have done no. it so for all you trolls one in particular yeah, fuck you. Yeah, exactly. Anyways, uh, but you know what? Yeah, like I said, I wasn't crazy about the finish. I'd like to see it go a little more, maybe some more build. But you know what? If they're gonna if they're gonna make KC more of a face and Enzo more of a like establish him further as a heel with that rivalry, um, okay, I'm okay with that. Uh, like KC and Enzo go at it for a while, see what happens. I suspect we'll see Enzo challenging for the middleweight title, probably sooner rather than later maybe in a few months um but yeah you know i I tried to be positive and it wasn't the worst match wasn't the best match either like you said matt cross held it down in there and i think any ring rust from enzo was matt kind of mitigated that uh much respect to matt cross great worker and you know enzo came off as a dick in this match but that was clearly the goal and so the goal was achieved the goal was and if you hate him then he's doing his job as a heel whether you hate him in real life or just as a character, he's doing his job. And like, I don't know Enzo. I've never met him. I can't say whether he's an asshole or not. Uh, I'm only going to comment on the stuff in the ring. So hope to see that he's able to get to a, that level where he's looking sharp and MLW can do something interesting with him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, to Casey Navarro, um, like I said, I am, you know, I'm not all in on Navarro yet. But from what I have seen, it has been impressive. Uh, he's I, got upside. He's got if anything, upside. If anything is happening, I, I hope he's okay. And I hope uh, oh, yeah. I hope he's cleared and I hope we see him in the new year uh, for sure. Or maybe we, we even see him next week. I'm not really sure how that's going to roll down, but I, I do hope to see him back in the MLW ring very soon. Did we, did we skip over the, the mug? No, it's, it's happening right now. Okay. It's happening right now. So, um, and, and now, like I said, this episode filled with a lot of peaks and valleys. I find that the promos were peaking. Uh, the matches were kind of valleys this week. And usually it's kind of the other way around. Sometimes it's just a stagnant you know valley this this definitely was like a like a heartbeat line for sure it had its up and down moments all thing but this was probably hands down next to the 5150 promo this was probably sequence of the night uh Richard Holiday Alicia L2 stand outside in the lobby by the bar it's never open by the way never open uh stand outside by the bar and Holiday says you know hey it's the holiday it's my favorite time of the year I know you don't celebrate Christmas in Canada again Richard get a fucking encyclopedia please we do celebrate these things uh we just do them better and classier Bro, so like it's Canada. We're not, we're like, not a third world country here, Iran. man. Not yeah. saying Iran is a third world country, but no. I'm saying like, it's Canada. It's- we, we celebrate Christmas here, man. Maybe just do a little bit of research before you start shit talking a whole country. We know, you're, <laughs> we know you're working it, but man, you're fucking Come Canada on. now. Come on, Come bro. on, bro. Don't, don't hate on us. Um, and he says, you know, I, I wanted to get you something special, Alicia. I wanted to get you something that would really cement who we are. I thought it was a very thoughtful gift. Yeah, I absolutely you did. And he pulls out shocker. The box size gave it away. In my honest opinion, I knew exactly what it was. It was a dynastic. Could have been a nice snow globe or something. 
no, it was definitely a dynastic coffee mug, which he got for free. He did not pay for it. He probably has a box in his car uh, that he travels around from show to show with. Um, Alicia, not happy with the gift. And at that point, we see Hammer and CD's brother again. So the security team did break them up for only a few seconds. Now they're out in the lobby. And Hammer is just like Rob said. He's 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 Hammer. closed fist. He's hitting that guy for everything he's worth. And then he's looking for something to put him down. He wants to just end this. Richard Holiday standing right there with a the coffee mug. Well, it's perfect. He takes it and he smashes it right over to Rand's brother's head, who gets knocked immediately to the ground. Richard freaking out at Hammer. Hammer, what are you doing? He starts picking up the pieces. Alicia, I'm sorry. I got this as a gift for you. And Alicia, too, always with the fire one-liners. You got me a shitty coffee mug. Storms away. Richard looks up at Hammer and says, what are you doing? And Hammer, not saying a word, just does this. Richard is distraught <laughs> and inconsolable. Uh, I, you know what? I'm really curious to know if is was that some sort of work like gimmick mug, or was that just a street? Because Hammer fucking just dashed it against it was that guy. Not, not a gimmick mug. It, it blew was up. So like, <laughs> must have fucking hurt. I did. saw that thing just shattered. So but yeah, Hammer's, Hammer's face. Hammer's face in the. Uh, like just pointing at CD's brother on the floor, like, are you kidding me right now? I will pay your ten dollars for your coffee mug. This guy was all over money. Me, it was the thought. It ruined, was a thought. Hammer, you ruined the moment of the gift giving. Well, I hope that Richard Holiday's rest of his holiday season is joyous and bright. And Alicia, uh, Rob, and I personally would like to extend our condolences on that crappy Christmas gift. In my honest opinion, and I would also like to say that I would not gift you a coffee mug, but if you did feel the need to get a coffee mug, Rob and I will split the cost of it and ship you one out. Hold on. I am not, I'm sorry, Alicia, I'm not <laughs> issuing any condolence. I thought that was a great gift. I am, there was no condolence for me. Condolence-less. Uh, I, I'm sure Richard will splurge on another mug. A hundred percent. So happy holidays to Richard Holiday. And from all of us here in Canada that are now just celebrating Christmas, apparently for the first time, you know, Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. Thanks a lot for the uh, the love and respect for a whole entire country. I mean, there are some weird things about Canada. You know, we just legalized staplers recently. Um, <laughs> our prime minister's name is Tim Horton. Like, there's a lot of weird stuff, but we do the celebrate Christmas. Prime minister's Christmas. name is not Tim Horton. We would, we would definitely ap appreciate him over the prime minister that we have now. Fucking Trudeau. Trudeau's not the worst. Yeah, he's definitely not got the best. legal weed. Yeah, that's the only reason he's been reelected three times because all the stoners are too high to you vote. You can't get reelected three times. It's he, two terms. What are you talking about? I don't want to get into politics right now, but John Cretchen did three terms, buddy. Oh, wait, I think you're right. Yeah, but didn't he have to... Didn't Okay, well, you can, uh, Canadian uh, politics... Canadian politics is screwed up enough, but you can do a maximum of three terms, take one term off, and then run again. Okay, yeah, I think you're right. So, I mean, Trudeau could literally be prime minister for another four years then step away for four more years and fucking come back. And this country is stupid enough that we would reelect them. So, you know, maybe Richard Holiday's opinions on us okay. is not 100% wrong. Okay. Let's not get political. Lee. I'm not getting political. I'm just saying our prime all minister right. sucks all right. ass. All right. Anyways, back to, back to the ML dub. All right. So, um... <laughs> becoming this hour has 22 minutes over here. Oh, man. All right. So uh, we get another great uh great 5150 promo a lot of great 5150 promos before our main event which was the philly street fight for the tag team stretch which we already know the end result we know the how we know the when 
We just, oh, sorry, we know the who and the when. We just don't know the how, and we're going to find out the how tonight. But before that, Sparks is again in the trenches. Uh, he's with Holiday and Aries, and this is where we find out that she needs to stock up on knives. The Gimp needs a new leash, and, you know, Aries needs more eye hand gloves and at that point uh 5150 rolls up with their shopping cart full of goodies weapons a rake a shovel a couple of chairs and uh sparks walks over they look down at sparks say nice shoes and he does he has jordan 7 series which are fantastic very comfortable basketball shoe and uh danny asks uh, what size is that bro and i mean those sparks go, oh, nine and a half then he goes well you just fucked up that's my size so again i thought somebody's gonna get jacked for the shoes but conan stops it conan squash it he stops slice boogie puts his hand on his shoulder he goes hey, hey straps first shoes second so let's get focused on getting the gold. Then we'll get the shoes after the gold. Now, for people who maybe didn't grow up in an area with crime or live in an area with crime, like somebody coming up and saying, run me them shoes is not entirely uncommon. So like I said earlier, the fact that these guys were, you know, probably grew up in a rough area and, and learned some shit like, the fact that they went that angle of like we're gonna steal your fucking shoes twice just, the, the cameraman a couple weeks a couple months ago and now Emilio sparks just amazing like i was literally waiting for somebody to say run me them shoes uh, uh so Emilio sparks he's getting a lot of camera time but this dude he's getting yelled at by myron reed he's getting almost jacked for his for his kicks uh you know well, hey that's what happens when you're war when you're war field you're fighting reporter, in, the man. Trenches, you're in the trenches man sorry dude so don't, don't wear your jordans in the trenches yeah that's right i mean alicia alicia's been in the crosshairs a few times but has always had hammer or has always had holiday there to save her and so and that's backfired on holiday quite a bit as we've seen throughout this this whole little mini series yeah. run uh so now it's philly street fight time 5150 comes out with a shopping cart everyone gets on the mic once again i uh, just want to quote a quick conan line um we're on point like a decimal. I mean, this man was just spitting straight fire last night. It's it's great to see Conan in his element doing his thing. And uh, the crowd was firmly behind 5150. There was going to be a title change tonight, even if it was scripted or not, because the crowd was all about 5150. These guys can do no wrong. They could steal everyone in the crowd's shoes, and these people would all go home barefoot and happy. So they, these guys are so over right now in MLW. It's unfair. And out comes Los Parks. L.A. Park, not there. The two young parks are there, which is not surprising considering LA Park's age. I figured that they were going to go that route with the younger parks to be in the match. Would you not agree? I concur. Because it's a street fight. And street fights, now, the interesting fact about this is that street fights, a lot of the time, they take place outside the ring. Um, a lot of the weapons didn't really come into play. For the most part, a lot of this match was actually inside the ring. Everyone had their cool spots. One of my favorite moments was a crossbody from Danny Rivera onto Ijo de, Ijo de la Park. And then after Ido Della Park is on the ground, he doesn't know where he's at. Julius Smokes walks over and he goes, hey, hey, <laughs> so gold. Julius Sparks could do no wrong for me, in my opinion. The guy is fucking hilarious. And uh, yeah, 5150 uh, was pretty much in control of this match. Now, don't get me wrong. Danny and Slice took their punishment. They took their bumps. Uh, Slice got a uh, rake over the back, like just the handle of the rake, not the actual rake parts themselves, but a handle. Danny got launched into the guardrail pretty hard. And for a lot of time, the, the Los Parks was in control with two-on-one advantages for a lot of time in this match. There was also one cool part where Los Parks got a little bit egotistical, and they actually did poses on chairs before they waxed Slice Boogie with the chairs. They brought the door in. There was a door frame painted 5150. They brought that in the ring into play. And um, 
We did see L.A. Park at one point. He came out from underneath the ring, an awesome spear to slice Boogie through the door, which I thought was going to be the end of the match. And I really, even though I knew that 5150 pulled out the win, I knew they were the champions. I thought at this point the match might be over and maybe something happened after the match for them, like steal the titles or something. But at that point, Homicide came out. 5150 apparently needed another reinforcement. They already had guys out there, but they needed another reinforcement. He goes under the ring. He pulls out L.A. Park. So the whole facade of the third park under the ring has finally been exposed to the referees. Finally saw it. And uh, obviously in a street fight, everything's legal. So that didn't really change the outcome of the match. But then Danny and Slice, they did what they did. They hit what they call um, the four, five, six. And they pinned Ihoel de la Park one, two, three, dead center in the ring to be your new MLW tag team champs. Shout out to Los Parks, though. Almost a year title reign. Defended it a few times. Close to a year, bravo to them. 5150, though, I have no surprise that these gentlemen will go past a year. And I think it'll culminate with them versus the other young buck tag team in the division being uh the Von Erics. Uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna end this, if you're gonna go anywhere with this, that's where it's gotta end up. It's gotta end up with the Von Erics versus 50. So who are the Von Erics facing in Texas? Uh I don't know if it's yet to be determined or not, but they are I don't know who they're facing, but they are facing someone. Oh, I forgot to mention too that during the whole Casey Navarro and Enzo thing, they did announce the Tajiri match for next week. Again, we already know it's been filmed. I believe the gentleman's name, I hope I'm saying it right. What is uh, it? I'll read it. Uh it's at Atsuki uh Yogi? A yogi? A yoga? Where where am I seeing this? Right here? there. Atsuki Ayoga, I think it is. Atsuki Ayogi. Ayogi. So that's going to be a great match, a great way to finish off the season finale. And um, 5150 celebrating in the ring. And then we cut to the outside. We know that Alex Kane was coming to the building. Um, and he came. He came in his nice white Lexus. You know, all business. Bumaye Fight Club. Calvin Tankman rushes him. And that, uh, what was that, that big gentleman's name? Titus something? Mr. Mr. Thompson? Or? Mr. Thompson, something like that. He rushes both of them. He literally pushes Thompson almost through the other side of the car. And if it's not Thompson, we're sorry. But we're not sorry. That's I, what's coming to mind. That's what's coming to mind right now. But uh, Alex Kane immediately gets back in Alexis. They speed off. Camera goes off air with Cal- Calvin Tankman following in heels, trying to get a piece of the new open uh, national openweight champion. So uh, we don't know what that's going to happen with that. Hopefully it'll be a culmination with that at the end of next week's episode. But all in all, a subpar uh, match for me, a subpar episode for me. Sorry. It again, had its peaks and valleys. Congrats to our, our friends, the new champs, 5150, Danny Limelight Rivera and uh, Slice Boogie, Conan, Julius Smoke, 5150 is your new MLW tag team Congrats. champions. Yeah. I just thought, I don't know. Uh, Erez and Aramis got like 15 to 18 minutes. Matt Cross and Enzo got like 15 minutes. It's a lot, a lot of wrestling on this show, but I don't know. I felt like for that Philly street fight for the bounce. <sighs> I would have liked to see them beat the shit out of each other a little more and maybe get a few more minutes in there. And I would have liked to weapons. see a little bit more on the outside. I'm yeah, not going to lie. There was way too much Philly in the ring. Yeah. Feel. But you know what? Overall, wasn't wasn't a terrible episode. It was enjoyable to watch. Congratulations to the new champs. Uh, yeah. It wasn't great. It wasn't bad. It was just in the middle this week. I think everybody, like Rob said earlier, I think everybody just kind of phoned this one in. I don't think it was the... Um, I, I always I always know that when there's a subpar episode in MLW, one that I'm not overly excited about, they always come with some fire on the next one. The finale should be the finale should be phenomenal. Be we should tie up a lot of loose ends and we should see some new storylines unravel. They've already kind of set set the little details there, the little decimal points, if you will, to quote Conan. Um, but all in all, we're not gonna grade it. We don't do the grading thing anymore. That's something from the MLW rewind of old. But let's just say 
It is what it was. It wasn't the worst. It wasn't the best. It was just right there in the middle. Uh, power rankings. Do you want to do our power rankings for this week? Sure. MLW did post their power rankings in the beginning of their episode, but our power rankings are always a little different. Uh, I started it off last week, so you go number 10 this week. Number 10. Let's go with... Uh, hmm. I'm going to go with Richard Holiday for that lovely and thoughtful gift that he unfortunately was unable to give to Alicia. I will counteract your Richard Holiday at number 10 at number nine being the ultimate sacrifice of this week's episode, the dynastic coffee mug. Dynastic coffee mug gets power ranking number nine because it took one for the team and it saved Hammer's life. So, you know, mugs can be replaced. Hammer cannot. So number nine, dynastic coffee mug. So there you go, Richard. I've redeemed myself by making the mug in the power rankings this week. All right. All right. I can, I can deal with that. Okay. So number eight, let's go with Conan. For spitting that fire and back in 5150 to that uh, tag team championship. Uh, you know what? Number seven, uh, or sorry, no, yeah, number seven, I will go with, uh, I'll give it up to the man in the trenches, our Warfield reporter, Emilio Sparks. He was all over the place this week, getting yelled at, getting spit on, getting his shoes almost taken, trying to get a word in with Holodead and the Gimp. Uh, you know, Emilio Sparks, number seven. Good for you, bud. All right. Number six, I'm going to give it to Slice Boogie. He looked sharp in that tag team title match. His promos are coming out on point. Slice is a, a pretty solid pickup for MLW. If you're sleeping on Slice, don't. Don't do it. Don't sleep on Slice. Number five, I'm going to go with uh, Julius Smoke, man. If you're dancing, you shimmy and you shake it. I love Julius Smoke. So he could do no wrong for me. Number five, Julius Smoke. There you go. All right. Number four, I'm going to give it to... Erez, because I really enjoyed his work in that uh, match against Erez. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, number three, I'm going to give it to Calvin Tankman, because, I mean, if you're going to go out there and confront anybody in the parking lot, that's the way to do it. Literally almost shove someone through the other side of the parking lot. Had he hit his mark, he potentially could have knocked Alex Kane out of the driver's seat, therefore getting a chance to uh, get a couple shots in. So Calvin Tankman, number three, uh, hopefully he moves up a little bit. Who you got, number two? Number two, let's go with Danny Limelight, another member of 5150 with that Tag team championship win. He always looks fucking sharp. Like that dude's a that dude's a talent, eh? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, hundred percent. Don't sleep on him. If you're sleeping on him, either don't don't sleep on anybody. That, that guy, he's. Uh, you can just tell watching him work. Like it, it, he puts in the work, but it comes naturally to him. Like he's got a natural aptitude for pro wrestling. That's it. And number one, this may surprise a lot of people, but hey, it's it's our power rankings. It's it's our choice. Is this how I feel? I'm gonna give number one to Lee Shell too. Between the expose, between the great, uh, you know, bitch face that she had when Richard Holiday pulled out the coffee mug, uh, everything was on point. So where in the world is Carmen San Diego? We shout to it if anybody would just do the movie. I call it resting badass face. Yeah, resting badass face. I like it. So we shout to with the expose, the phenomenal expose on where in the world is Contra. Uh, I mean, between South Africa to Japan to AWOL to, you know, Joseph Samuel's disappearance being timely. Uh, I like it. I like it all. So we shout to you are number one in the MLW power rankings. It doesn't mean you get a shot. But for us this week, you were on point. And that's it for this week's MLW Rewind. I am your host, your boy, George McKay. You already know our socials. We're not going to do them anymore. It is what it is. If you're watching this on YouTube, give us a subscribe. And you can follow, find us everywhere else. Straight Talk Wrestling, Uncle Bobby B on Instagram and Twitter. It's not that complicated. Guys, peace, love, and wrestling. We'll see you next week for our season finale. Don't forget, we will have a hiatus for a couple of weeks. We want to enjoy Christmas too. MLW is taking their break, so we're going to take our break with MLW. We will be back in the new year giving you all our opinions, thoughts, and reviews on everything MLW as they head to Mexico. And we see what crossing the border and opening up the doors does for MLW. As always, peace, love, and wrestling. We'll see you guys next week. Take your ease.